Thank you, Justin. Much appreciated. 
So, um, Cooper has, he has a family, his wife is deceased, he has his daughter and his son, and he is an ex-pilot for NASA, and, but now he lives in a world where NASA's not needed anymore, and there's no money for anything, and everyone's starving to death because of overpopulation, it's just a bad situation all around. And he gets picked to lead this mission into space, to go find a new world for everybody to live on. Because uh, it's kind of like, uh, reminds me of the 1930s Dust Bowl. Because there's so much overpopulation, there's over farming, and the whole the dust bowl, dust everywhere. And uh, it's just bad. So he gets picked to go um, on this trip, um, to go and find a place that's habitable, a place that people can survive in. Um, the only problem with that is he has to leave his family behind. He has to leave his son and his little 10-year-old daughter behind to go on this trip. Um, anyway, to set this up, I want to show you a few clips just to show you the relationship between him and his daughter, because that's what this movie really centers around. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sci-fi stuff, a lot of tech, a lot of information, there's a lot of things going on, but the, the true story here is between him and his daughter. So let's look at clip one uh, real quick. How's this work? You guys come with? I've got class. This one needs to wait. What'd you do? Go tell you about it when you go in there. I'm not going to be mad. Oh, me. Just please try not to. Hey, relax.
really it is propaganda that the Soviets bankrupt themselves pouring resources into rockets and other useless machines. Useless machines. And if we don't want a repeat of the excess and wastefulness of the 20th century, then we need to teach our kids about this planet, not tales of leaving it. And one of those useless machines they used to make was called an MRI. And if we had any of those left, the doctors would have been able to come assist in my wife's brain before she died instead of afterwards. And then she'd been the one sitting there listening to this instead of me, which had been a good thing, because she was always the, the calmer one. I'm sorry, Mr. Cooper. Murph got into a fistfight with several of her classmates over this Apollo nonsense. So we thought it would be best to bring you in and see what ideas you might have for dealing with our behavior on the home front. Yeah, you know what? Um, there's a game tomorrow night. She's going through the baseball phase. Her favorite team's playing. There's going to be candy and soda. I think I'll take her to that. Yeah, that, that clip was a little long. What I wanted you to see from looking at that clip was I wanted you to see the love that this man has for his daughter. Clearly, he favors her. Not many parents go into a parent-teacher meeting and come out getting their kid in more trouble than they were when they started. But he clearly favors his daughter over, you know, what other people are saying about her or the truth that's going around it. And so, and the reason I wanted you to see that is because Cooper is going to have to make a decision. He has been chosen to lead this space exploration mission, and he doesn't know how long he's going to be gone. He may or may not see his daughter again. And so I, I want you to get a feel for the relationship between his daughter because right now on this planet, everyone's dying in their, you know, the Earth, this planet, Earth, yes, and everyone's dying, and it, it's, it's not a good situation. So he's going to leave, but he has to leave his son and his daughter behind. That's that's going to be tough because I don't know that I can do that. I mean, my daughter's right there, sitting next to my wife, and I, could, I don't know. Even if I knew the world was in, I don't know if I'd want to leave and not be with her when it happens. So it's a tough, it's tough, tough. Um, let's look at clip two real quick. This is going to explain how, what's going on, and how long he might actually be gone on the trip. Rangers. The last components of our one versatile ship in orbit, the Endurance, our final expedition. You said people out there looking for a new home? The Lazarus missions. That sounds cheerful. Lazarus came back from the dead. Sure, we had to die in the first place. There's not a planet in our solar system that can sustain life near stars over a thousand years away, and it doesn't even qualify as futile. Where'd you send Cooper, I can't tell you any more unless you agree to pilot this craft. You're the best pilot we ever had. Never left the stratosphere. This team never left the simulator. We need a pilot, and this is the mission that you were trained for. How do you know? An hour ago, you didn't even know I was alive. You, you, you were going anyway. We had no choice. But something sent you here. They chose you. For who's they?
there and say that. Who's there? So, he's faced with the fact that he might be gone for years. For years. So, when I was watching this, I was trying to think, well, I picked this movie because it was really emotional. I mean, there's several times where I cried while watching it. And I tried, I was thinking, well, what, this reminds me of something in the Bible. Now, what does it remind me of? And I, and the first thing I thought of, uh, well, first thing I thought of was Jesus, and, you know, because he's kind of the central point of everything. But I thought of another story. Um, can we go to Genesis chapter 22, uh, verses 1? Uh, we'll start there. It, uh, it reminded me of another story that y'all know, probably know pretty well. This is Abraham and his son Isaac. And Abraham has been called by God to do something pretty ama amazing. So I'm going to just read this to you real quick. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, he told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he carried himself while he, while he himself carried the fire in the night. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to, his, to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, we have the fire in the wood, the boy said, but, there, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. He took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yahweh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. And, that's, and then we'll stop there. Um, we talked about this a few weeks ago in our men's group. We talked about Abraham sacrificing, being willing to sacrifice his son. We came to, the question came up of, would we be able to sacrifice our children if God required it from us? If he asked us, can you, would you sacrifice it? And I I made a point. I said, well, but God's not going to ask us to. He'll never ask us to sacrifice our children. And then uh, I think it was Mike. He countered and said, but what about Abraham? He asked Abraham to do it. I said, yeah, he did. And thankfully, he stopped him before he had to. But Abraham was willing to sacrifice his child. Now, I thought about this from watching the movie because the man, Cooper, had to leave his children behind. I, I don't know if I could do that. He had to leave them, just go. He didn't know if he was going to come back. Uh, Abraham, he didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew that God had asked him to sacrifice Isaac. Uh, something I picked up on when I read this today, and, or yesterday, um, was it took, how long it took them to get to the place. Of the mountain. It took them three days. 
That means Abraham got to walk for three days and think about what was about to happen for three whole days before it even happened. Um, and that's, it's heavy. Uh, it was tough for me because, so then we came to this other thought. There's another story in the Bible about someone who has to sacrifice their son. And we know that story as Jesus and his father in heaven. God sacrificed Jesus for us. How do I even put this into words? The relationships that we show here between Isaac and Abraham, the relationship from the movie Interstellar between Cooper and his daughter Murphy, when we really think about our relationship with our children and we, you know, we think about God having to sacrifice his son Jesus, that's hard. That's, that's a lot. We often think, I think sometimes we play it off in our mind, well, God knew that Jesus was going to come back to life. Or, it's God. He will be okay. He didn't, you know, it didn't affect him the way it affects us to lose our children or anything like that. But the reason I showed these clips, I wanted you to see that it was a sacrifice for God to give his son. Now, one of the other things I thought of in this movie is, uh, you know, we talk about love all the time. Love being able to go beyond space or you know, we can feel love from someone, but you can't actually touch it. It's not something you can measure or quantify or anything like that, but you can love someone, right? So um, I thought about Abraham and Isaac, and I thought about why God had God stopped him. And I thought about Jesus' sacrifice and how Jesus' sacrifice, his death to save all of us, was for all time. Not just then and now, and not just the future, but the past as well. Abraham didn't have to kill his son because God sacrificed Jesus. Even though there were two completely different timelines, you know, further, far apart in history. But because of Jesus' sacrifice being for all time, God did not require that Abraham kill Isaac for his sins. And that hit me, and I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of deep, and that's really heavy. I know that it might try not to confuse anyone, but... God had a plan, and it covered all of time, from the beginning to now, the future, and it even made it to where Abraham didn't have to kill his son, which is pretty amazing that Jesus' sacrifice even affected that situation. All right, so moving on. In the movie, they go out, and they do, he does leave the planet. He goes to find uh, places for humankind to settle so that maybe we can continue to survive as a race. And they, they had some possibilities, some planets that might work and might not, so they had to go check them out. Look at this one planet, and you probably saw it in a trailer, and it was covered with water, and there was giant waves just crashing. Uh, and so they landed on the planet, and they thought maybe it'll work, and then they get there, and they see these big waves, and they're like, hey, this isn't going to work. Well, one of the problems with that situation they were in was the gravity was so heavy on the planet that it caused time to flip. And yes, I know this is getting all spatial and time and time travel and all that jazz. And just bear with me there. But what happened though is time went faster for them while they were on that planet, and everyone else it went really slow. So, long story short, they go down to the planet, they get stuck there for about an hour, and they come back. Into, the, into space away from the planet. And they realized that 22 years had gone by while they were down there for an hour, which 
young man saying, oh, that's no big deal, but he has a daughter. She was 10. Now she's 30-something. He hasn't talked to her in 20 years, 20-something years. She hasn't heard from him. Um, and um, that, that, that just the, the depth of that really hurt me because I, I watched that and I cried and I thought, man, how would it be if I missed 20 years of my daughter's life? And, uh, and just, just this whole idea of sacrifice of our, our children and our families. Cooper was able to sacrifice and leave his family behind for the good of everyone. And that's what God did. He sacrificed his son for the good of everyone. All of us. Um, let's see. Let's watch clip five. And I think this is when Cooper gets back onto his ship and 20-something years have passed and nothing has passed in his, you know, it's been a few minutes from him. So let's watch that clip and uh, we'll see what's going on.
didn't pick up on it, I'm sorry, it was kind of quiet, but his son sent him messages, started off when he was in high school, talked about his girlfriend, he was sending him messages, but they couldn't send replies, so the son was just sending out messages, hoping his dad was listening to him. Then he had a son, the son had a son, so he was a granddad, the next message, a few years later, his son, the grandson passed away, and it was sad, and then his son says, you know, my wife tells me it's time for me to let you go, so I'm letting you go, and stops talking to him, because he gave up on him. And then you see his daughter come in, and that's the first time she tried to talk to him in 23 or 20-something years, I couldn't remember exactly. But I cried during the scene when I first watched it, because he was willing to leave his daughter behind to save everyone. And I know I'm saying the same point over and over again, but it's, that's what this movie reminded me of. Was God's sacrifice for us when He left His Son to die at our hands? Uh, he was willing to do that so that we all could live. And and when I see this movie and I think about the sacrifice that He makes for His children, it reminds me of that every time. And you see, she's really upset. She said, "You know, you told me one day we might come home and we might be the same age." And they are at that point; they're the same age, and He hadn't come home yet. And he chooses to push on and keep going to try and find a better world for everybody to live in. So let's, let's read a little bit here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26, uh, verses 62 through 67. Then the priests stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, You have said it. And in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power of God's right hand coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the priest tore his clothing to show his, to show his horror. Blasphemy. Why do we need other witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted. He deserves to die. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face, beat him with their fists, and slap him around. Now that's kind of a little bit of a change of pace from what we've been talking about. But I chose this verse to read to you guys because it shows us two things. One, that Jesus is God's Son. The priest said it. Jesus claimed it. He admits it. He is God's Son. Not some mythological person, uh, theoretically God's Son, but He is God's Son. Part of His being. Just like our children are part of us. And He allowed Him uh, to go through some really awful stuff. He, uh, he died. He suffered under us. God allowed it to happen. I couldn't allow anything to happen to my child. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand for it. Hmm. 
Love goes across time and space. And uh, this last quick clip I'm going to show you will cement that. And it's a character who's on the ship with Cooper. And they're trying to decide where to go next. That one planet failed, it wasn't good, they couldn't live there. Big waves made it really difficult. So they go on, they want to go to another planet. So they go to this other planet, and, or they're trying to decide between two planets. And one of the shipmates, a uh, woman played by Anne Hathaway, wants to go to this certain planet because the guy who went there first to check it out is like her boyfriend or something. And so she wants, she hopes and prays he's still alive. And so that's why she wants to go there. Anyway, we'll talk about this. I'll show you this clip real quick, and that'll be, that'll show you what I'm talking about. Number six, please. Well, we're going to vote. There's something you should know. Brad, he has a right to know. That has nothing to do with it. What does? She's in love with Wolf Edmonds. Is that true? Seeing Wolf again excites me. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. Honestly, it might. Tars, chart course for Dr. Mand. <coughs> so, this is the last one I wanted to talk about was love. You heard her talking about love, that it transcend space and time and all that uh, sci-fi jargon. But I think she's right. Uh, we don't, you know, God's love for us is immeasurable. We talk about this all the time. That we don't fully understand or grasp how much God truly loves us. And I tried to explain that a little bit, just a little bit, by talking about the sacrifice of this child. Now let's go to the last verse uh, that I had. I think it was First uh, John chapter 2. Um, yeah. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message that you've heard before. Yet, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living. For the darkness has disappeared, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is living in darkness. Anyone who loves
loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. I am writing to you who are God's children, because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith, because you know Christ, who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith, because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children, because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in faith, because you know Christ, who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith, because you are strong. God, God's word lives in your hearts, and you have won your battle with the evil one. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. When I read that over and over again, I, I hear a lot of talk about uh, it's from the beginning. From the beginning. God's plan from the beginning involved love for all of us. To all of us. From Him. His plan from the beginning involved Jesus. It involved the sacrifice of Jesus. And I guess the point I really wanted to make is that God, and how big, how grand God's plan for us was. It went through, you know, we say love, and we, we use that word often. And we, uh, I know Shannon's mentioned it before, and I have too, and we've all said things that we, you know, but we've talked about it up here, that we say we love something, and it just means we really like it a lot. But when we love the way that God loves, it's different. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things going on in this world right now, and I believe, and this is my final thought on this, is that we can argue, we can discuss things, we can disagree with people, but I believe the only way that people change, the only way that the world knows and can experience God is through our love, our love for each other and our love for others. That is the only way that I think God can uh, make his presence known on this planet is through love. And so this movie, lots of examples of love. Sacrifice, love, and, uh, and God's word from the beginning all the way back from creation to present and all the way to the future. It's always been about love. That God cares. He cared about you long time ago and we'll care about you in the future. It's not about time, it's about love. So anyway, I hope that y'all learned something new today. And and I will pray for us. And thank you. And go watch the movie if you haven't seen it. It's very God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus who loves us, who gave himself up. And we thank you for you for willing to make the sacrifice that it takes to save us, God, to give us a hope, to give us a future. God, we, we love you, and I, I am so glad that you have made these sacrifices for us. I, and I'm so glad that you don't make us sacrifice ourselves or our children. But God, you've done it for us already through Jesus. Help us to learn how to follow you, 
a loving community. Love each other with the way that you've loved us. God, 